Thank you, Bethany, for sharing with us. Um, Let me go ahead and just pray for us. Lord, we thank you for Bethany's story. We thank you uh, for the way... Thank you for the way that you've been at work in her life. Thank you for the way that you have been uh, calling her more and more deeply to yourself, rooting her identity in you. And Lord, we pray that for all of us, that our identity would be fully rooted in you. And we pray that this study that we're doing this semester would help to root our identity more and more in you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to transition now and um, start talking about the book of Hebrews. Um, So make sure you have in front of you your study guide um, and your Bible and this ESV study journal. Um, And then if I could have a couple of people help me pass out uh, these introductory handouts. Thanks. Forgot about that. Um, And then also... Kelly's going to hand out to you guys a pamphlet. So we've got lots of stuff for you this term. And let me get set up up here. So if you guys weren't with us last term, we took a break from our usual Bible study. And we looked at the overarching story of the Bible using Von Roberts' God's Big Picture. Um, I think it was a a good opportunity to take a break and to do something a little different, do something that helped us to understand our Bibles better. Uh, But I don't know about you guys, but I am glad to be back in traditional Bible study, glad to be back studying and digging into a book of the Bible. And I'm really excited um, to be together again. It seemed like a long break that we were away from each other. So it's good to, good to be back. I also think it's really fun that we as women on Thursday morning are studying Hebrews, and then another group of women on Thursday night are also studying Hebrews, and then a group of guys on Saturday morning are also studying Hebrews. It's fun for a large portion of the church to be in these different studies all looking at the book of Hebrews. Maybe Uh, Your husband's thinking about going to the study. I think it starts this Saturday at 7 in the coffee shop. Maybe you have a a friend or know another guy who's going to go. I'm really hoping that this might prompt some good conversation um, outside of this group as we maybe run into a woman who's part of the evening study or another guy who's part of the Saturday morning study um, and that we have opportunities to talk about Hebrews during the week uh, with other members of our church. So I think that's really fun. Um, We've also, in addition to a study guide, we've given you guys a pamphlet and we've given you guys this ESV uh, scripture journal. And we've done that because we're trying to do Bible study just slightly differently this semester. Um, and that's what we've, what we've done with our study guide, if you want to flip through it, is we've just tried to make it a little thinner, and we've tried to write fewer questions each week. And we've done this intentionally, not because 
we were lazy or <laughs> didn't want to put in the time, um, but we've done it intentionally as a gift for all of us. Um, and I don't know how you guys are, but I know that if I have a really comprehensive study guide and I'm studying through a book of the Bible, I am tempted just to rely on that study guide, and I let that study guide do the thinking for me, and I don't spend as much time meditating on the passage myself. So in writing fewer questions each week, we are trying to encourage all of us to spend more time just meditating on the passage itself. Um, and we knew that it would be difficult just to say, like, here, just meditate on the passage and come up with your own thoughts. So we um, decided to give a few helps in order to do that. And one of those helps is the ESV journal. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with these ESV journals, but I love them because they have the text of scripture on one side, and then they just have a blank page with lines on the other side. Um, and th- this is not meant to be just used as your Bible for the week. It's meant for you to take notes in. That's why they have that blank page for you as you're meditating on the text to take notes um, on the other side. So we hope that you guys will make use of this and mark it all up as you're reading the text throughout the week. Now, we also knew that uh, some people, when they see um, some text and a blank page, that they kind of freeze, right? Memories of college where you have, or high school where you have that essay at the top and the big blank page, or the blue books where just you pull out that big blank blue book and you just kind of panic, like, what am I supposed to write down? I need to say something amazing or intelligent. Um, Well, we didn't want you to panic. And so we've also given you Um, this little booklet, this coma method of Bible study. Um, And as you pull out um, your ESV with the text, you can also pull this out, and this can just help to guide your thinking and your note-taking if you feel like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to write down in, um, in this. The coma method of Bible study. It's not, um, I wrote the pamphlet, but it's not a method that I came up with. It's been around for a long time. Um, And COMA is an acronym. It stands for Context, Observation, Meaning, and Application. Uh, So as you pull out your ESV guide um, and your COMA pamphlet, you can just walk through these steps you can start to think about context. Okay, what am I seeing in this passage that's context? Um, I'm going to give you some whole book context in a minute. And as you're taking your notes, you can think about, okay, how does that whole book context relate to what I'm studying? But you can also look for some literary context. Got literary context listed there. Think about what we studied last week. Is there anything in this passage that relates to what we studied last week? And that can be the first 
um, part of the notes that you're taking down, thinking about the context of last week and what we studied. Um, Then you can think about historical context. Is there anything in this passage that has cultural or historical references? You can write that down. You can even just write down questions like, I don't understand this historical reference. I have more questions about this. And then biblical context. In the guide, I've talked about biblical context is where the passage fits in the storyline of Scripture. But another way to think about biblical context is, are there any references to other parts of the Bible? And of course, in Hebrews, there are going to be lots of references to the Old Testament. So you might even in your note taking want to write down some of those um, Old Testament references. Maybe there's an explicit reference that you want to go and look up. Or maybe there's something referred to that you want to do a search on like Bible Gateway or another search program or in your concordance in the back of your Bible and and just look up some more information on something that's referenced. And then there's the step of observation. Um, And you can just keep this open and you can be looking for repeated words or phrases or ideas. You might want to look for contrast. Is there anything in the passage that's being contrasted with something else? Of course, for us, setting characters and action isn't going to be super important. But grammar, grammar is also going to be something you might want to be looking for. What are the subject? What's the subject of the passage? Does the subject change over time? What about the verbs in the passage? Uh, what kinds of verbs are being used? What it, are they indicative? Or are they imperative? Um, thinking about transition words. How is the author using transition words? Is he using words like therefore, but, um, and, because? Might want to jot those down and think about what's the connection between maybe a clause that's introduced by but and what came before or if therefore is used. Um, And then key details. Does anything jump out to you from this text? Do you have further questions? Does anything strike you? So this is just meant to be a help so that when you pull out this and you're taking some notes, if your mind draws a blank, open this up and say, okay, yes, I can do some observations. I can think about some context. You might even start thinking about meaning. I talk about structure in here. Um, How is the passage put together? Are you noticing some some ways that the author has connected or organized um, his passage? So this is, yeah, it's meant to be a help for when you're doing this. So basically what we suggest um, is that when you get ready to do your study during the week, that instead of immediately pulling out your study guide, try pulling out this first. Read the passage through a a few times. Maybe even listen to the passage as you're doing laundry or as you're driving around. So read and listen, immerse yourself in the passage, um, and then pull out this book and start taking some notes. Um, You might even want to do a drawing if you're feeling artistic. Or you might, um, I I don't know, just... 
feel free with this to write down or to draw or to illustrate, use colors, use pictures, use anything that's going to help you just get into the passage more deeply. And do this not just one day, but do it a couple of days. Think about even maybe using part of your devotional time just to open up this and to uh, meditate and take some notes um, on the passage. And Tracy Fable has a phrase that I love. She talks about rough draft thinking. I don't know if you've heard Tracy use that phrase. Well, this is for your rough draft thinking. This is your rough draft note taking. It doesn't need to be anything uh, perfect in here. It's just for your notes. Um, so feel free to just fill this up throughout the week. And then once you've, you've been in your journal for a few days, then go back and fill out your study guide. In fact, I think you'll be amazed at how you're going to be able to answer the questions so much more easily and quickly because you've already been doing your own meditation on the passage. You've already been doing your own thinking about the passage. Um, And then the other thing that's going to happen is when we all come together as a group, our leaders, table leaders, are not just going to be going through what's in these booklets, but they're also going to be leaving time for you guys to share what you've written down um, in your booklets, what, what notes you've been taking on your own, what you've seen in the passage. So we're not just going to use the study guide, but hopefully all of us are going to be sharing uh, what we've noticed in the passage and what, what we've understood um, out of the passage. So there'll be time for that each week. And your Tabor leaders may even be adding some questions. They might even ask you some questions that aren't just in the study guide. But don't, don't worry about that, because if you've spent time meditating on the passage already, then you're going to feel comfortable answering those questions. And you may even want to bring your own questions to the group. You might want to say, hey, I really am unsure about this, or I'm wondering what the connection is between these two parts of the chapter that we studied. Um, this week. So this is an invitation and an encouragement for us all to just be engaging much more deeply on our own terms with the text of scripture each week. So we hope that these two little gifts will um, help you to do that in a more meaningful way um, this semester. Do you guys have any questions before we move on to our intro of the book? Or any comments? Would you recommend going over, uh, let's say we're doing it three days, let's say, um, would you recommend going over the whole thing several times, like the whole chapter, or would you recommend like really marinating on a third of it, let's say? Sure. Yeah, I think that's really up to you. You'll see that um, in the study guide that some weeks the questions pertain to the whole chapter, and that some weeks the chapter is broken up by chunks, and we have questions on this 
portion, questions on this portion, question on the last portion. So I think it's really just going to be up to you. For me personally, I probably am going to do it um, portion by portion because it's just easier for me to get my head around a smaller portion. Um, But then you'll also notice in our study guide every week, we're going to ask you to try and summarize the whole chapter. So the the study guide deals with Hebrews chapter by chapter. So we're going to be studying it for 13 weeks. We're going to have one one week on each chapter. Uh, So as you're trying to come come up with a summary, you might want to go and look back. Well, like, what notes did I take on this section? What about this section? What about this section? How do they all fit together? And is that going to help me summarize it? But yeah, again, I think it's just personal preference. The whole idea of this is freedom, right? Personal preference. What works best for you in getting into um, a passage of scripture more, more deeply? Ashley. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. Yes, it's going to be a very similar format. And the other thing that you'll notice that's different about the study guide this time is there's some little um, symbols or markings that we've done on the study guide. Um, We've marked with a, a magnifying glass all the observation questions. And then we have uh, with a light bulb, the interpretation or the meaning questions. And then with the bullseye is the gospel connection questions. How is this uh, question relating to the person and work of Jesus? Um, And then finally, the man walk or the person, the lady walking (laughs) are the application questions. And again, this is just uh, we labeled them this way to draw our attention more uh, fully to what kind of a question is this that we're asking. Um, And again, just a way to encourage all of us to be thinking about, oh yeah, anytime we study a passage of scripture, we want to be observing that passage first. Then we want to be thinking about what does it mean? Then we want to be talking about or thinking about how does it connect to Christ and his work on the cross? And then finally, we want to be applying it. So we're we're trying to make everything really explicit um, this semester in an effort to help all of us grow in our ability to study the scriptures on our own. Are there any other questions or comments? Okay, I think I've uh, covered everything I wanted to. So let's move on to um, an intro to Hebrew and just thinking about Hebrews, the book as a whole, um, and Hopefully, uh, an intro like this is going to help us as we come to study individual passages. It will uh, inform the way that we look at the passages. And as I came up with this intro, I didn't do um, a lot of looking at tons of different commentaries. I really just relied on one commentary, and this is Tom Schreiner's commentary on the book of Hebrews. Came highly recommended to us. <laughs> but I will say, after reading it, I just loved it. it was, it's, ex, it's an excellent commentary. So the things that I, I'm going to say in the intro really come from his commentary, but he also does a great job of um, 
kind of surveying what the, what the work out there is, not only on things like the date or the author, but also on the different passages. So if you're enjoying this study in Hebrews, you want to get into it even more deeply, I would suggest purchasing this or even better, checking it out from the library because I bet it's in the library. It's already checked out. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Find someone who has it. I think, um, at least I know all the teachers have it, and you probably could borrow it from one of the teachers, because we also used it to write the study guide. All right. So the intro. When I come to uh, kind of do an intro or think about a book of the Bible, I always just use the W questions, the who, what, where, when, why, because I think those are just a really easy way of um, organizing and thinking about the basics of a book. And then I make sure I'm not missing anything. I don't forget to answer one of those questions. So the um, the handout that you have just lists all um, those questions. I've listed them in a slightly different order on the handout because I like to go through them in a slightly different order. Um, but anytime you're sitting down to study a book of the Bible on your own or with somebody else, it's great to just go through those questions in the very beginning and answer those questions. Now, one thing that we can do is we can just really quickly answer those questions, can't we? We can, like, for instance, if we're studying the book of Ephesians, we could be like, okay, Ephesians is an epistle. It's written by Paul. I've looked in my study Bible, and I can see that it's written probably about 62 AD. Okay, check. We answered all those questions. Let's move on. Let's start studying Hebrews. I I mean, yeah, Ephesians. That's one way that we can approach answering all these W questions. Another way to approach it, and we're going to try and do this together today, is to think about, okay, yes, it's an epistle. What impact does that have on the way that I should read this book? Okay, yes, it's written by Paul. How does that help me to understand this book better? So when we're answering these questions for Hebrews, that's what we're going to attempt to do. We're going to attempt to think about what's the significance or the implication of the answers that we come up with um, to these questions. So we'll start right out. How? This is when I really look at genre. What genre is the book that I'm studying written in? All right, so what's the genre of the book of Hebrews? Anybody? All right, just take a guess. It's an epistle, yes. Okay, I think that what's great is that we all paused for a minute, right? Because Hebrews doesn't seem like an epistle. It doesn't just jump out to us like if we were reading Ephesians or Galatians, for instance, and say, epistle, epistle. Um, Epistle, by the way, is just a fancy word for letter. Okay, so it's a letter written from one person to another person or to a church. Um, But yeah, Hebrews doesn't start out that way. And Hebrews, we wouldn't guess, is an epistle because it doesn't have a lot of the standard forms that we come to identify with an epistle. It doesn't have a greeting. The author just dives right in. He doesn't say, you know, so-and-so is writing this letter to this group of people. So it doesn't have a greeting. Um, It doesn't have a thanksgiving or a prayer that we often see in Paul's 
letters that he's writing. It's very different, and the style is also really different. When you read through Hebrews, or if you've read through it before, you'll notice that it's very elegantly structured. It's a very beautiful uh, letter. It's, I, when I was reading through it, I was noticing there's, there's almost sections of it that seem poetic um, in the way that it's written, because the style is so beautiful. Uh, but we do know that it is an epistle, and one of the ways, or one of the giveaways that's an epistle comes at the end of the book. So grab your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews 13. Let me read, let's see, I'll read 22 to 25 for us. These are these final greetings. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Okay, so now when we read this section, it's sounding a lot more like one of the endings of Paul's letters. Um, and now we're starting to recognize, oh yeah, this is an epistle. And clearly, he is writing to the brothers, um, and he's in- including some greetings and some personal details. So it's particularly this ending here that helps us to identify that Hebrews um, is an epistle or a letter. Okay, why is this important? What's, what, how is this going to change the way that we read Hebrews, knowing that it's an epistle? Well, it's important because letters or epistles are always written by one person to a specific group of people for a specific reason or an occasion. So therefore, no matter how much when you're reading through Hebrews, it might start seeming or reading like a systematic theology, it is not a systematic theology. We cannot read Hebrews the same way that we would read like Calvin Institutes or Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. That's not the way it's written. That's not the way it was put together. It was put together as a letter to address a specific concern that the writer had. So for example, when we read through chapters 1 and 2, we're going to be reading a lot about angels. But we cannot read it like, oh, this is everything that there is to say about angels, as if this were a systematic theology about angels. No, we need to remember, oh, this isn't a letter. This is an epistle. The author was writing it for a specific reason. So I need to understand what was he saying about angels and why is he saying what he's saying about angels. We'll be helped much more if we're trying to think about why the author said what he did, why he's talking about angels in this way. All right. So that's why it's helpful for us to remember that Hebrews is an epistle. In fact, I was going to write this up here. I'm going to go ahead and write a few things down. So let's write down our how. It's an epistle. Okay, so that's, that's the genre. Um, yeah, so just remembering... 
uh, that he wrote it for a specific reason and trying to think about how what we're reading connects up to that specific reason that he wrote it. All right, the next, who? This is who wrote it and who it was written to. So any ideas on who wrote the book of Hebrews? Unknown. Yes, again, people are like, oh, should I know this? Is this one I, a fact I should know? No. None of us should know who the writer is because the writer nowhere in the letter identifies um, himself. So we don't know who wrote the book. Now, there's been lots of ink spilled and lots of speculation on who the writer might have been. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, look at Tom Schreiner's um, commentary because he talks a little bit about all the different theories. But I'm not going to bore you guys (laughs) with all those different theories here because honestly, my feeling is that if the Holy Spirit didn't think that we needed to know who the author was, then that's okay with me. So we're just going to leave the author as anonymous. So we don't know who, who wrote it. Now, what about who it was written to? Any ideas? Jewish Christians. Okay, well, it has that title Hebrews, right? So that gives us a clue. Now, that title was put on there about, uh, we, the earliest we can date that title to is the end of the second century. So that title can't be definitive in telling us that it's Jewish Christians. But um, as we read through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see a lot of things that would make you think that it's written to Jewish Christians. For instance, you're going to just be seeing lots of references and allusions to the Old Testament. And then the author talks about the sacrificial system. He talks about the tabernacle. And he talks about them in a way that um, really only Jewish Christians would be familiar with because he has such a familiar way in which he talks about these things. So, of course, we can't know for sure, um, but saying that he wrote to Jewish Christians is probably a pretty good guess. So, two Jewish Christians. Okay, and he also... Um, although we don't know who he is and we don't know the specific people that he was writing to, they knew, right? Because he speaks to them as brothers at the end of the letter. So he knew specifically who he was writing to. Another little clue as to who these people uh, might be comes very late in the letter in that um, passage that I read to you from uh, chapter 13, verse 24. So I'll flip back over there. Should have put a little marker in here. Okay, in 1324, where uh, the author says, Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. So um, our guess is that these people were probably in Italy who were receiving this letter 
uh, because he's saying the ones who are from Italy greet you or send their greetings. So chances are they're from Italy and chances are they might even have been around Rome. So we'll just put this down. Jewish Christians, maybe, maybe, maybe from Rome. I'll put a question mark. You know, in heaven, all of these things will be perfect, perfectly revealed. And on earth, we do the best that we can um, to discover them. Okay, so knowing that these are Jewish Christians um, who are maybe from around Rome is going to help us when we think about why the letter was written. So we'll just kind of hold that off to the side, and we'll, that will come into play when we think about why the letter was written. Okay, when was it written? Let's put down when. Now, I find this fascinating Because when you're trying to figure out when a letter was written, you actually have to do detective work. Um, And the commentators will spend a lot of time kind of doing detective work, trying to figure out when letters are written. Um, So I personally find this really interesting. Uh, So the detective work that had to be done on the book of Hebrews was just looking through the letter and seeing if there are any clues that help us determine when it was written. So for instance, that passage back at the very end of Hebrews, I don't know if you guys noticed when I read it to you, but it refers to Timothy. And it refers to Timothy who has just been released. So we're assuming probably a released from prison. And we know that Timothy is still alive uh, when the letter's being written. So we know that it has to have been written before the end of the first century because Timothy is, is um, still alive. So we kind of narrow down that before the end of the first century. And then if you turn back to the beginning of the letter, let's see, and you look at chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Okay, so they, these Jewish Christians, have learned the message from those who heard it from the Lord. So they are not the first generation of Christians, but they're the second generation of Christians. So a little bit of time had to have passed uh, by, by the time that they heard the gospel and converted. So that's kind of an, an interesting detail that makes us realize, okay, it's not um, too late, but it's also this letter's also not too early. And then we can narrow it um, down even more because the author, when he's talking about the temple, he's using the present tense as if the temple still existed. Um, but we know the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So we know that the date has to be uh, before 70 AD. And probably a date would be kind of in the 60s and maybe the later 60s. So I will put down, I'm going to just put down 60s. 
Okay, so why is it helpful to, to have done all of this detective work and pinpointed a date? Well, for this reason. We know that Paul's letters are mostly written in the 50s and the early 60s. So this is going to date this epistle as being um, a later epistle, one of the, one of the later epistles. So that's, that's helpful for us. It's also significant um, because we know um, that the church has been established for a while. So this, is, this epistle is being written to a group of established Christians. Okay, where? I think I already answered this, didn't I? Yeah, the, 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 uh, yeah I already answered this. So we, we know that we assume that these Christians are outside of Rome. And why is that significant? Knowing that they're probably outside of Rome and that it's a later epistle. Well, we know that there was persecution in Rome under Nero in 64 AD. You know, I probably remember from like history or maybe Christian uh, church history, great fire breaks out in Rome. um, And then Nero is looking for a scapegoat and he's like, ah, Christians. And so there's persecution against the Christians that begins in 64 AD. So suddenly we're starting to get a picture of these people who have received this letter that these people have been dealing with and suffering from persecution, uh, maybe under Nero. Um, So we've got a a better picture of who the people are um, who have gotten this letter. And then finally, we want to locate our letter in the storyline of Scripture. Where would our um, letter fall? You guys should be experts on this after last last time. In the what? In the proclaimed kingdom. You know, I honestly, I forget some of those, (laughs) the Ps, but yes, it's going to be after Jesus died, before he's coming again. So what I think of is the now and the not yet or the proclaimed kingdom. Yes. And so basically we're just realizing, wow, this letter is written to the Hebrews. They are living in the same time that we're living in now, the now and the not yet. Jesus has died and risen, but he's not yet come back again. So there's a real connection that we're going to have with the book of Hebrews. All right. And then why? Why did he write the book? Well, we've got this clue already that these Christians are suffering persecution. And as we look throughout the book, more clues emerge that they're suffering persecution uh, and they are being tempted to go back to Judaism, probably because of the suffering of persecution. Also, there's some clues in the book that maybe they're being tempted to go back to Judaism because they're just looking for some assurance of their faith. That they are, you know, Judaism provided concrete assurance of faith, right? You sinned, you took a sacrifice to the temple, you knew you were forgiven. And maybe these Christians are looking for some assurance that Christianity is not providing in the same way that Judaism provided for them. 
So the why is uh, persecution. They might be tempted to be headed back to Judaism to avoid that persecution because, of course, Judaism was an accepted, established religion. And if you're a Jew, you're not going to be persecuted. Um, And then also looking for assurance of faith, the second reason why the book was written. Okay, what? What's the message? Well, if you were listening on Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago when Dan announced the Sunday morning Bible study, he gave away the message of Hebrews. Uh, I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he basically said the message is don't fall away. Don't abandon Jesus. Put positively, it would be hold fast to the faith. And that message is going to be like a drumbeat that we hear throughout the book of Hebrews. It comes to us in the form of five warnings. Uh, I'll give you the references of the warnings if you'd like to write them down. So the first one comes in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. The second warning comes in chapter 3, starting in verse 12 through verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. So 3, 12 to 4, 13. The third one comes chapter 5, verse 11, through chapter 6, verse 12. The fourth one is in chapter 10, verses 26 to 39. And then the fifth one comes in chapter 12, verses 25 to 29. And like everything else, the beginning and ending of these warnings is debated. <laughs> but these, there's some pretty good ideas of where the warnings are um, in the Bible. And just to give you a sense of what these warnings sound like, let me read chapter 2. I won't start in verse 1. Start in verse 2. Oh, no, start, I will start in verse 1. Sorry. Therefore, we must pay attention. Much, we, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So there's a summary of the first warning, and you'll hear variations on this theme of the warning throughout the book of Hebrews. So he is telling the Hebrews, don't fall away. In fact, he's warning them, he's cajoling them, he's doing everything he can to make sure that they don't abandon their faith. And then he goes on to tell the Hebrews why it would be foolish if they were to abandon Jesus. He says it would be crazy to abandon Jesus because Jesus is more and Jesus is better. And these are words you're going to see again and again as you read through Hebrews. Jesus is more. Jesus is better. And he's going to have all of these different things that Jesus is more than, that Jesus is better than. And he's trying to encourage them. You would never want to go back to Judaism because you have Jesus. And Jesus is so much better than the old covenant, than the old system. So if I had to summarize it, uh, I would summarize it this way. Don't abandon Jesus because Jesus is better. Don't abandon Jesus because Jesus is better. Keep this in mind as you're studying your passages each week. Think about how does my passage connect 
to this sentence? How, is my passage part of one of those warning passages where we're being warned not to abandon Jesus? Or is my passage one of the more or the better passages telling me how and why um, or how, why I shouldn't abandon Jesus? So I hope having a little bit of the context, knowing a little bit of the story of the people who uh, this writer wrote to will help us as we get into Hebrews and as we think about um, this incredibly interesting and fascinating book. And then, of course, with application, we're going to need to do a little bit of translation, aren't we? Because we're not tempted to go back to Jesus, uh, Judaism, are we? None of us... Okay, uh, maybe some of us came from there, but chances are we're not tempted to go back there. But are we tempted at times and in places in our lives to abandon Jesus? Are we tempted to replace Jesus with something or to try and add something on to Jesus? Maybe to make us feel um, more secure in our faith or to give us more of an identity? I think all of us are tempted to do that. So we'll just need to think about where are those places in our lives or those ways that we're tempted to abandon Jesus. And then thinking about Jesus is more and Jesus is better. Just being reassured in our own lives that Jesus is better and more than anything that we would be tempted to replace him with. So I'm excited for our study and I can't wait to get started next week.